Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Welcome to another episode of Reconciling Grace. This is Pete Vecchi, and I am joined in the studio today by Vicki Cundiff and Mick Wells, and we are joined remotely by Pastor Mac, P-Mac, Don McDonald. And we are going to be talking today about a topic that says this, is anyone too far gone to be saved? And Mick is going to be more or less leading this discussion. So Mick, I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say to us and maybe what you have to ask us. And just, I enjoy the way that you lead your your topics. So just take it away. Okay, thank you, Pete. Well, I want this topic to be and what we discussed today to be of great encouragement to people out there. This is a very uh, anxious time uh, to be alive. And I want you all to know, I'll give you the bottom line up front. Jesus wants you to come to him. Jesus doesn't turn anybody away. And I got to thinking, of people out there, you listeners, maybe you're even one of them. Have you ever known of anyone who's absolutely convinced that they cannot be saved because they've lived in a very uh, sinful way their whole life? They feel uh, completely unworthy. And Bob, you'll remember this. We have we had a band Christian band that used to go out and perform at nursing homes and minister to people. And there's a town not far from here where we had the band. And we noticed that one of the ladies, actually a young lady, probably in her 30s, um, she was crying. And then eventually they took her back to her room and we said, what's wrong? And they said she believes that she's lost her salvation based on something she did, and that she can't be forgiven for it. Now, we could probably do a program on the unforgivable sin, but as it turns out, the lady was at least open with us saying that she had had an affair with a married man and therefore believed she grieved the Holy Spirit, that she blasphemed the Holy Spirit in, in what she had done, and there wasn't anything that it seemed we could say or do. We were asking the Holy Spirit to help us and that the truth of God would hit home to this lady so she would, uh, she was just crying and in pieces. She believed that she was going to hell and was lost for eternity because of uh, some a mistake that she made during her life. Do you remember that, Bob? Just nod if you do. Yeah, that was a tough one. Um, it was a secular nursing home, and yet they said anything you can do to help her, we'd appreciate it. And we prayed for her and tried to give her all the assurances that uh, we're about to share with you in this program. Mick, if you don't mind, I was just curious, did they uh, or she or anybody give any idea as to why it was she had such a strict view of this? Did somebody talk to her about that or, or what? I think it may have been influenced by her religious environment, her her church, perhaps a very legalistic approach or a warped approach, but 
She was absolutely convinced that what she had done represented blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, and she was not only ashamed to approach Jesus and ask forgiveness, but she believed that she couldn't, that uh, she had forfeited her salvation. Uh, Do you have any uh, memories, any of you here, about uh, people who believe that they can't be saved? There was um, someone that I knew many years ago, and um, he had been to the war. In fact, it was the Korean War. This was a lot of years ago. And something happened over there that um, he didn't talk about very much. But, you know, from what I've heard, I've never been, of course, but from what I've heard, there's some terrible things that happen in war, things that you have to do that can greatly affect your life. And something happened over there in particular in addition to anything else that, that happened there. And uh, then when he got home, he became an alcoholic, uh, messed up his family life, you know, and ended up divorced. But on his deathbed with cancer, and uh, myself and another person and some other people as well, going to try to talk with him, and he said, no, it's, it's too late for me. And even though we tried to convince him that it wasn't, and sadly, I don't know if, if he gave his heart to the Lord before he died or not. Yeah, and I, I can picture that kind of thing happening where somebody's lived a long life they feel like they can't overcome it at the last last moment but i tell you you listeners out there as long as we have life and breath it's not too late uh, to get right with god pete did you have any ideas and or don no when i was uh, reflecting on that very question i've had people have come to christ later in life and they always said one of the reasons why it was late is because they always felt like they weren't good enough to come to christ they weren't good enough to experience god's amazing grace so it's always amazing how that can be such a major major hurdle to climb over so um it's one of those that you just pray for the holy spirit to really touch them and work with them yeah that's a good point i i was thinking of all the people i know who have put off a decision uh, to turn their life over to christ i can at least say it's good because implicit in that approach is that they do believe there is a god they do believe in a savior they just don't want to make the commitment or they feel unworthy of making the commitment so they must be very conflicted inside because even the scriptures tell us that uh, nature itself lets us know that there is a God and that we long for the relationship with God. So uh, that's a little different than somebody who doesn't even believe in a God. I was thinking too of another example uh, from my past and it was uh, a fellow I used to work for. He came up to me one day and he I don't know what prompted him to say this. He said, you know something, Mick? I'm going to hell. I was a little shocked by that statement. And I said, well, you don't have to. (laughs) All it takes is a commitment to a change of mind, a change of life, a decision to uh, live for Jesus and accept what he's done for you. So, um, but there are many people who do believe that they've... uh, live their life so badly that even Jesus would lose patience with them. You know, in in Christian circles, some people refer to that outlook as having sinned away one's 
a day of grace. So is it possible to send away uh, a day of grace, meaning if you put God off long enough, he'll just give up on you? Um, Vicki, I'd like for you, if you would, to share a scripture for us. This is John 6:37. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never drive away. Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Well, you know something? Um, my dad believed in that, at least for a while. And through our arguments, let me say discussions, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, may, I may have got through to him to, uh, to see it a little differently. And I said, and I quoted the scripture that Vicki just read, where Jesus says, the one who comes to me, I will never drive away. I will never in no wise cast out. Now that doesn't say I'm gonna give up on you because you've done a lot of sin, you've got a bad track record, but it says, come to me. If you come to me, that's all I look for, and I won't turn you away, I won't drive you away. Dad said, well, that's the way I was taught. I said, well, there's no scripture out there to back it up, and that was before the internet. <laughs> and so it was it was nice to go out on the internet and see that corroborated that there's no scripture uh to back that up. Any thoughts on that? Well, the only thing I was thinking is that God won't give up on us, but I think sometimes we give up on us. And I think also other people give up on us. And the devil wants to convince us that we're beyond grace beyond salvation and so it kind of depends on who we're listening to and we hear all the other voices we hear our own voice we hear the devil uh talking to us about how bad we are you could never be saved and i think it just kind of builds up within a person's mind and they just say i've gone beyond what god can forgive yeah they need to look at the scriptures to see what jesus says to understand what God th thinks of them, how he views them. You know, if you put our, your faith in, in feedback from other people, and definitely if you put your faith into the lies of Satan, it's going to bring down your self-concept, let alone your concept of being saved. I found a nice quote on uh, the Internet I'd like to read to you. This quote says, There are many who have been harassed by the enemy, who have lost all hope of recovering their favor with God, who think that they are, quote, different or hard-hearted or hopeless. I've sinned away the day of grace, or they're under the I'm under the control of Satan or some such-like condition. Yet God in his love is extending mercy and only waiting for them to discard their deceptive ideas and accept his grace. You know, when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, I would rather base my outlook on the truth because uh, Jesus is, on this earth was personification of the truth. He is the truth. And so we should see what he says. Uh, let's go on to a, a corroborating scripture here. Don, would you read 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4? Sure. This is good, and it is pleasing the sight of God our Savior, 
who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. There you go. He desires that we're all, we all become saved. And it's very simple. I, I don't like to quote my dad a whole lot, but he said he, he could more easily sell rotten bananas than he could give away the gospel. And for some reason, the free gift of salvation, the, the, the gift of eternal life, uh, I just have no concept of why people uh, do not want to pursue a saving knowledge, the, the gospel of their salvation. But uh, Well, might I answer that really quickly, Mick? I believe that it goes all the way back to what we read about in the Garden of Eden because human beings wanted to be like God. We didn't want to um, rely on somebody other than self to uh, be able to help us to reach heaven or help us to reach God. And um, even to this day, I'm thinking of, and this is not a knock about Frank Sinatra. I don't know if he ever gave his life to the Lord or not, but I think about that old song, I Did It My Way. You know, that's what people want to do. We want to do it our way and not God's way, even though the Bible says that Jesus is the way. And before we get into the next thing you were about to say, Mick, I think we do have to break right now for our sponsor. So let's do that, and we'll be right back with the next half of Reconciling Grace. Welcome back to Reconciling Grace, and today our program is on the subject, Is Anyone Too Far Gone to Be Saved? And we've been sharing some wonderful scriptures that should be of encouragement to all of us to show how God wants us all in the fold. We're all to follow him. And we're up to a scripture now along these same lines. Pete, would you read for us uh, first, a couple of them, but first John 3.17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Yeah, that's a good one to me, because people who feel like they've sinned away their day of grace because they've lived a a life not pleasing to God may feel like, well, how could anybody forgive me? And therefore God would condemn me by just ignoring my pleas to, uh, to live for him. But um, this clearly tells us, and this is the follow-on to the very famous or uh, popular verse, John 3.16. This is just as good as far as I'm concerned. God didn't send his son to condemn us. That's right. In fact, there's a scripture that says there's therefore now no condemnation for Mm -hmm. those who are in Christ Jesus. So rather than try to bludgeon you or ignore you or put you down or... uh, make you believe that you're beyond reach. Uh, God says he sent his son not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And I think that's a, a, a wonderful promise to us. And it's followed by John 3.18. And Pete, would you share that with us? Whoever believes, and can I stress again, whoever Yes. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Yeah, con- consider that. Uh, it's not God doing the condemning, but we are condemned if we choose not to believe 
in Jesus Christ. Uh, that says the condemnation is brought on ourselves, if you will, because that happens when we don't believe in the name of the only Son of God. Um, and it's telling us there that that's already the state of our condition. Yes. Because we're born as sinners and without Christ, then we're not, we're not ready for heaven. Yeah, that's right. The default position when we come into this world is that we need a Savior. Mm-hmm and uh, to get rid of, uh, to do away with and in condemnation from not believing, we simply accept and believe on Jesus Christ for our salvation. You know, I can't help but think, and I know this is not in the notes, and um, one of the things I just heard as you were talking about our, our, our default position is needing a Savior. You know, it's all about grace. It's not about us. I mean, Somebody might say, well, what about the little child who dies, the little infant who dies? Um, You know, I believe that God is graceful. God has grace upon those who cannot think for themselves or who cannot really be accountable for their own lives simply because they're not mature enough. And, you know, the Bible tells us that no one comes to God the Father except through Jesus Christ. And I believe that Jesus is the way, as I've said from John 14, 6, that's also where it says no one comes to the Father but through Jesus Christ. And through Jesus, there is an awful lot of grace there because he loves us so much that he would rather die than live in heaven forever without us. Absolutely. And uh, I was thinking as you were talking about little children and, and people who have somehow not had the mental faculties to understand the gospel and so forth. There's a concept out there called prevenient grace mm-hmm. of God. Um, there's also a scripture that talks about um, how God feels about little children. And the, and the verse that I'm recalling says something to the effect that the, their angels always face the Father in heaven. He's got them covered. Even even with angels, which is a subject unto itself, uh, you know, not to supplant the gospel message, but um, well, I didn't mean to get us off topic there, Mick. Why don't we keep going with what you were about to say? <laughs> well, we'll keep rolling here. Um, another wonderful verse, uh, Vicky. I've asked for you to share this. Second Peter three nine. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Yeah, that's a lot. uh, That is often a quoted verse when people are talking about looking for uh, the return of Jesus Christ. And I think the accusation that was raised in Scripture was, where is he? You know, he was promised, but... uh, said he, he's not slack concerning his promise or slow, but he's patient with you. Now look at these words, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Is there anybody, has there ever been anyone out there that you believe uh, God would give up on? I was thinking my... Uh, in my prayer time the other day, there's so many verses that that talk about God not wanting anyone to perish, but everybody to come to repentance. And I got to thinking, okay, Lord, 
when I get on my knees and I pray, I typically go through my family members and I trust that they're all living for Jesus. But because you don't want anybody to perish, who should I be praying for? Because nothing is impossible with God. And I, and I was thinking of who are the people that I've often thought could never stand a chance of turning to God? Well, I, I thought of terrorists and I, I thought of uh, people who bombed the Twin Towers with their airplanes and I thought of all these and I said to myself, God didn't want them to perish. Should I pray for them? Absolutely. We're to even pray for our enemies. When, when the word says, not but everyone to come to repentance, not wanting anyone to perish, I can't think of anybody that God would not want us to, to pray for. And I was thinking, too, of a song that I wrote uh, and performed some time back. Pete, you may even remember this from the CDs where I said, he reaches the unreachable, he touches the untouchable, makes easy the impossible, and I know that it's true. That's the gist of the song, and when you recognize that God is powerful enough to reach people, I don't mind praying for what would otherwise seem like a miracle. Mm -hmm. But I think, Mick, you know, as you were saying that, for me as, as a good reformer Calvinist, I know God's already there working his irresistible grace in that situation. Do I know if that's the person whom God is calling? No. But I almost go into those type of situations saying, hey, I'm just going to affirm what you're already doing in that person's heart. And that sort of affirms that call that he wants to love us. He wants us to believe in him and not experience his condemning you know, judgment on us. Yeah, and I, I think no matter what our... Uh, background here we have in common that uh, God is working in the Holy Spirit is working in the lives of believers and those that God wants to come to Jesus and that uh, God will receive those who will come to him and believe in him well you know here we've talked about people who think they can't be saved because they've lived a sinful life we've talked about is it possible that God would give up on us if if we lived a life of, of sin for many, many years, and we found that clearly that's not the case, that uh, God wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And the last part of our program today, we want to talk about can we have assurance of salvation? I've, I've said for years and years and years that we don't put our faith in feelings but we put it in the truth of God's word. And we want to look at a few scriptures here about how uh, we can have assurance of our salvation. Um, <clears throat> let me just say there's been a time or two in my life when people have told me that I wasn't saved <clears throat> because I hadn't done this or that. Um, that's simply not the case. I'm going to read one scripture and then we'll look at a few others. This is 1 John chapter 5 verses 12 to 13. He who has the son, capital S, he who has the son has life. He do, who does not have the son of God does not have life. 
Now listen to this. It says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Believers should be in a position to not doubt that God is ever... Uh, shouldn't be thinking that God maybe has abandoned them or given up on them or that they're uh, not worthy of God. When we have problems in our life, the Bible says uh, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of those sins. In other words, the, the Bible doesn't say when we sin, uh, God's going to turn us loose. And Mick, we're supposed to live by faith and not by our feelings. Because if we do that, we're going to be in trouble. We're going to experience those times when we think that we're not saved or something, you know, And because the devil's going to try to stir that up. And so we're supposed to believe by faith and knowing in our mind and in our heart that we are saved. Absolutely. Um, here's another verse along these lines. I, I really like this one, but it, I've been puzzled by it to a degree, too. Uh, Don, would you read for us Romans chapter 8 and verse 16? Sure. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. You know, I, I take that one uh, to the bank. I believe it happens. The Spirit, Holy Spirit within us is testifying with our spirit that we are indeed children of God. That's, that is assurance of salvation. But it occurs to me, and I'm just going to confess my puzzlement on this one. Is that testifying with our spirit? Is that something experiential? Is that something that I should feel or sense as an experience? What do you think? I would say that everybody's a little bit different. I mean, I think we've kind of talked about this kind of thing in past uh, episodes that not everybody um, experiences God in the same way. You know, a feeling, I tell you what, I hate to rely on feelings personally because my feelings will lie a lot. Um, but I personally just sense a peace when when I just know that it's the Holy Spirit talking to me. It's a peace. But other people have said that they almost hear an audible voice. Other people do get a, quote, feeling. Um, I think it would be hard to really you know, buttonhole it to say, this is the way that we experience this. Well, I, when all else fails, I'll take it at its word mm -hmm. that the Spirit is testifying. Just like when I don't know how to pray, the Bible says the Holy Spirit's making intercession for me. There's something happening there. I just don't know if I'm supposed to sense it or experience it. I believe it, but I don't know if I've missed a connection somewhere on the communication. Well, uh, Pete, would you share with us Hebrews 7.25? Therefore he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. I point out there the word save forever. We're talking about assurance of salvation. And um, share one last verse. John 6.40 says, for my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Mick, I really want to thank you for uh, sharing this today, 
and we thought we were going into this as a one-part episode, but as so often happens, it's going to be a two-part episode because we've only gotten about halfway through. So I want to thank you for sharing uh, these words today, and we'll look forward to hearing part number two next time. So for Mick Wells, Vicki Cundiff, and Pastor Mac, Don McDonald, this is Pete Vecchi. Thank you for joining us for Reconciling Grace. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. Reconciling Grace.